0: Well, it's good to be here this morning, here at Outreach Baptist Church. Glad to see each one that's come out this morning. Yes. I miss your pastor. Yeah. Uh, he's my pastor, too. I told somebody the other day on social media, he's my pastor, too. So, uh, I, I do miss him, but he's having fun. He's already been sending me pictures, and I'm a little jealous. But, uh, yeah, he's having a good time, so uh, thank you for letting him have some time off. He needs yes. it. Uh, that man works himself to death. But, uh, I tell you what, he loves this church and uh, he loves you people, I tell you. and uh, I, I, It's a great privilege to come here. It's been about 14 months, I believe, since the last time I was here. And uh, is that the last time Brother Johnson had vacation? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it's been a while, but it is good to be here. Enjoyed all the good singing. Uh, still singing out of the good red church hymns. same one we still using the King James Bible. And I'll tell you what, the, the churches like this are getting few and far between these days. Uh, you never know what kind of mess you're getting into if you go visit a place that you've never been to or heard about, and it's good that you can come somewhere like this and feel right at home. Uh, I do have a message this morning the Lord has been dealing with me on. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you please turn to Judges, Judges chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 15 this morning, Lord willing. Judges chapter 2. And when you get there, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? Judges chapter 2, starting with verse 6. And here the Bible says, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathres, in the mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all of that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And anger. the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spooled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whensoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. We're praying now, God, that you help us preach. Lord, keep me hidden. May you be visible. Lord, may your word go out and do a mighty work in our hearts this morning. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And Amen. You can be seated. Well, this morning I'm going to be preaching about generations. A generation is a, a time period of roughly ten or fifteen to twenty, sometimes thirty years in between. But it's the time from when one uh, person is born until their children is born, and that's a generation. Well, today we we have six. Uh, predominant generations. I don't believe anybody probably is still around much that's uh, born before 1925. Anybody here born before 1925? (laughs) All right, that's a long time ago, but uh, there's really six generations that we, we have names for, and I'm sure you've heard these names. The silent generation, that's from 1925 to 1945. And then the baby boomers, 1946 to 1964. Now, some of these dates... Vary depending on which place you're looking at, of what they say is that generation, but it's around the same time. And you have Generation X, born 1965 to 1980. That's me. I was born in 1966, so I just barely made it into there in the Generation X. And then there's Generation Y, the millennials, born 1981 to 1996. And these guys get a lot of, of, of hard time from a lot of us. Uh, Generation Z, also known as I-Gen or Centennials, born in 1997 to 2012. And then anyone after 2012 considered Generation Alpha. Now, man has come up with these different generation names, but I want you to know that the Lord God finds generations important. We just read about a generation right here in our text that had completely, uh, they, they did not know God. The Bible says they didn't even know him. They didn't follow him. They didn't serve him. They had, they had no knowledge of God. In just like one generation's time, all this had happened. Now, I can't really put my finger on when Knoxville, Tennessee changed or any kind of major event that occurred, but sometime in the last 25 to 30 years, Knoxville has completely flipped over on its head. It's no longer the same city that I once grew up in. Uh, Things uh, that you wouldn't have dreamed would happen in Knoxville, Tennessee are happening on a daily basis. Things that are allowed today in places, in our school systems, in the public venue, things that's going on. I would not have believed in all my life this could have happened where I live. But it it is. This country is completely flipped over. Uh, My kids play this game called the opposite, opposite day or opposite game. And so everything that means one thing means the opposite. They always had fun doing that. I feel like we're living in opposite day. Every day when I wake up and I'm thinking, where did my country go? Where did my city go? Where are all the values that I once knew? Where did they go? Listen, we went from being a godly generation to a godless generation. And it happened fast. Uh, the things that we're witnessing happening going on in our great nation today completely blows my mind. Uh, our forefathers would be rolling in their graves today knowing what's happening. Things happening that you swore would never happen in America. Uh, those, these things that's going on today and laws are being passed and things are allowed today. We would have said just a few years ago, there is absolutely no way that's going to happen in my country. It may happen over in Europe or, or somewhere like that. But never here. And you better open your eyes because it's going on right now here. Mm-hmm. And so, this America that we grew up in is no longer the same. And uh, they, they, you know, we used to call this a Christian nation. And you'll have these smart alecks today that get up and say, Oh, no, no, America was never founded on <laughs> Christian morals. And all of our forefathers were deists and, and all this stuff. But they need to study a little bit more. Amen. Uh, my father was a history teacher and I got to learn real history not what they tell you in school and those those books and things but I got to hear the real history of, of this nation and how it started and our forefathers and he had books and biographies from these men and their own personal writings of the things that they believed and trust me while they may want to tag them as this many of them were Christians and they did uh, found this country on godly principles and morals this was a morally correct country but You know, immediately we want to blame another generation. Like, we'd like to blame the the millennials or the Y generations. Or today we have little nicknames like snowflakes, we want to call them, you know? And certainly that generation is the one that's making the most decisions right now. And they'll continue to do this for several more years. They'll be the predominant generation. Uh, They make up most of the world's population at this current time. Uh, used to, you would look back and see the baby boomers were the dominant generation, made all the decisions. And uh, now we see that, you know, that generation is slowly going uh, away and uh, this new generation has took over. But we cannot really blame it on that generation or another generation. No, we can't just pull up one generation and say that's where it happened. You know, we can't do that. What we need to look is within ourselves. Because this occurred because people like us, church people, Christians, have become lax in what God has told us to do, and that is to tell the next generation about Him. And so there's going to be about three things here I want to bring out in this text that what we need to pay attention to, to make sure that the next generation after us knows this God, the reason that we came here today, the reason we come to worship. The reason Outreach Baptist Church was was formed and, and why that you come here on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesdays and, and, and whatever time you come. Why you're here is because the, the generation previous to you did their job and you knew that you needed to come into the house of God. Look, the book of Judges right here, uh, it, it marks a dark time in the life of God's people, very dark time. Uh, It continues the saga of the Israelites And we all know what they were like Uh, One minute they're worshipping God Praising God, living for God No we will never forsake you God And the next minute they're bowing down the bell. The next minute they're doing all kinds of ungodly things And uh, God has to uh, He has to uh, chastise them He, He has to come in and punish them He does it They kindled his wrath many times in the Bible But we see the book of Judges could very well be called the book of failures. It lists all the failures that the children of Israel had underwent and all the things they allowed to go on in their generations. So it's really an endless cycle of watching them bow down to God and then forsaking God, bowing down to idols, and then coming back and getting forgiveness and so on and so forth. It reminds me a lot of the world we live in today. I know a lot of people that I used I grew up with that went to church and you knew if the church doors open they're gonna be there. And now today won't even darken the doors of the church. Don't see them there. They don't even think about getting up on a Sunday morning and going to church. That's how sad things have become in this world today. And so we can look at this book of Judges and, and you know what? There's this very popular preacher, and you'll find him on TV. And he has told his congregation they need to unhitch from the Old Testament that is is really not that important that they need to focus on just the things in the New Testament unhitch themselves that's his word unhitch yourself from the Old Testament I wonder if he's ever read the New Testament because the Lord Jesus refers back to the Old Testament over and over and over and over so does Paul so does Peter on and on John they all refer back to what was written before And so the Old Testament never, ever unhit yourself from it. Now, I understand that that the New Covenant, the New Testament is very important. We need to know about the shed blood of Jesus and how it saves us from our sin. But I want you to know the Old Testament was pointing toward that. And the New Testament said, hey, this is where it's at. This is what happened. So don't ever, ever unhitch yourself from it. It's very important. And besides, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable. And it gives that big list of things. And so we know every bit of the Bible is perfect, it's true, and needful for our lives. Well, in chapter 24, over in the book of Joshua, we read Joshua's famous last words. We all know what they are. Joshua 24, 14. Says Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Did you see that word Lord there? All capital letters L-O-R-D means the Lord God Jehovah. He's the one that's going to save us all. And so uh, he says me and my house we will serve the Lord. And listen to what it said in the next verse. And the people answered and said God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. In other words amen Joshua. We too will serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. My wife's going to serve the Lord. My children's going to serve the Lord. My dog's going to serve the Lord. We're not going to forsake the Lord, Joshua. And so we see that Joshua says, you've got to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, whatever you do, it doesn't matter to me. I'm doing what I know is right, and I'm going to serve the Lord. Me and my house will serve the Lord. We have too many people today that will serve whatever. Mm -hmm. The Bible says they serve the God of their belly. That means all your carnal, lustful desires and cravings and things like that. And today we have very few people that you can point out and say, Now that right there is a godly man. That's a godly woman. I can look back at my grandparents and people will tell you they were godly people. And boy, they saw great moves of God throughout their lives. And, and, you know, I've heard all the stories. My grandfather, preacher Ed Spencer, I grew up there in North Acres Baptist Church where he, he started that church. He preached in it until the day he died. And, and I hear all the stories of how he would go down in the woods and start praying, praying for something he didn't have. And the next thing you know, it's there. He wanted a cake one day. And my and my granny said, she said, we don't have any eggs. I can't make you a cake. He started praying. You know what? Looked out the window and there was an egg laying in the yard. <laughs> that's real. Now, you may think, well, that's just silly stuff. I want you to know God's real today. Yes. And so, listen. We need people today that we can say, "Well, that's a godly man. That's a godly woman. That's a godly young man. That's a godly young woman." Yes, the young people too today can be known as godly people. So the Bible records that the people replied to Joshua, "God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods." And then further down there in that same chapter, verse twenty-four, it says, "And the people said unto Joshua." The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. All right. So, what did Joshua say? Verse 25. So, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, set them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. And so we all know the story how uh, they they came through Egypt. There now, all the original ones except Joshua, Joshua and Caleb died in the wilderness. But all their children got to go on into the promised land. And this is those. These are the children. Joshua's taught them. He's taught them the ways of God. He's told them all about it. He set a memorial. He said, this is what's happened. God said this, and we're going to obey this. And, And then everybody went into the land which they inherited, which God had given them. And they all lived happily ever after the end. Is that right? Is that what happened? I don't think so. You would think, after making such a vow not to forsake the Lord, that the children of Israel would have been living a victorious life. Isn't that what we all want today? A victorious <laughs> life. They had even engraved their loyalty of God into a stone and set it up there as a monument so that every time they passed by there they would remember. And they could look at that stone and say, Boy, I remember that day when Joshua got up and and, and, and put this up in memorial up. And they but right then they'd be telling their kids, their kids say, Daddy, what's that stone right there? Why, why is that right there? He said, well, let me tell you about that stone, son. Because one of these, one day, back a, a while ago, Joshua, our leader, he stood up and he made this memorial because we all said we serve God. And we won't bow down to false gods. And, and the, the little boy, then he would have that knowledge. And, and then when he grew up and got married and had children, and his son would come by and say, Daddy, what's that rock right there? that rock done? And he said, well, let me tell you what my daddy told me. And so it would happen one generation after another that they should be reading that, remembering that, passing by that, passing it on down to their children. But then what's happened? So they placed this monument up beside a big oak tree right by the sanctuary of God so that everybody would see it. Every time they passed by, oh yeah, I remember God's promise. Well, things changed in a very short amount of time. A very short amount of time. How in the world did the children of Israel go from making a solemn promise to not ever forsaking the Lord there in Joshua chapter 24 into what we read there in our opening text in Judges. In Judges chapter 2 verse 10 it says, And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. In a short amount of time, one generation later, they don't even know the Lord. It says they knew not the Lord in one generation the Lord God Jehovah has been forsaken and forgotten the Bible says the people served the Lord during the days of Joshua and the elders and so why didn't they pass that on why didn't they do what God said and, and tell your children and your children's children your grandkids I know you people that's got grandkids boy you love those kids I know how my parents love those grandkids You know, I believe they love them more than they love me <laughs> Way it seems that's way that's the way us kids think about your grandparents. Yeah, of, yeah. You love them grandkids. Why didn't they tell them grandkids? You know they love them. How come they, they kept that information from them? And so in this one generation, they went from being a godly generation to a godless generation. Godless. And they say history repeats itself, and I believe we are witnessing that history repeating itself in the day in which we live right now. It's repeating itself. The United States of America, Knoxville, Tennessee, we've turned into a cesspool of filthy, dirty, rotten, stinking uh, wickedness. The place is wicked. It's wicked. It's wicked. All you have to do is look at the newspaper headlines or or go on the Internet and look at one of the news station uh, websites. This place is wicked. We allow everything to go on here. We find in this one passage of Scripture The ultimate failure What was the cause of it This generation not knowing who God was Well this generation Became godless because The word of God was neglected The word of God Was neglected Over in the book of Psalm 145 And 4 the Bible says One generation shall praise thy works To another and shall declare thy mighty Acts You see we want to blame the millennial's but it's not their fault; it's our fault because we've not passed on the things of God. If we had, they would have had those values instilled within them. And you know, I'm not saying everybody in that generation is like that. There's still some good kids today. There's people that are they're known as the millennials or the snowflakes that people want to call them and everything that that have been raised right. Their their parents have done the right thing. Their grandparents have done the right thing, and they know the Lord. There's you know, there's exceptions out there. But as on a whole, this generation today does not know God. Not the way we do. The Bible says that we're to declare God's mighty acts to the next generation. Over in Joel 1 and 3, the Bible says, Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. It doesn't stop. There's no place where we sit back and say, well, that's enough. I've done everything I needed to know. It just keeps on and on and on. If you read the first chapter of Judges, you'll see the account of where the tribes of Israel had went into battle with the enemy. God had told them in his word, which they had to utterly destroy the enemy. Utterly destroy. That means completely wipe them off the face of the earth. That's what that means, utterly. But they did not obey God. They didn't listen to him. He had commanded them in his word To utterly destroy the enemy Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 1 through 6 The Bible says When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land Whither thou goest to possess it And has cast out many nations before thee The Hittites and the Gerasites And the Amorites and the Canaanites And the Perizzites and the Hivites And the Jebusites Seven nations greater and mightier than thou And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following thee, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people under the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. That is what they were supposed to do. That's what God told them to do. But they didn't do it. It was the responsibility of the priests to read the word of God to the people. They had the the Pentateuch, which is the five first books of the Bible there, the books of Moses, that they would read and and were supposed to follow. Uh, God had promised them that he would deliver them from their enemies if they obeyed him and and followed his commandments. And we see the results of their failure to follow God's word. In the first chapter of Judges. the failures of the tribes to drive the people out of their land, what happened? They didn't obey God. And failure starts early. Look, failure doesn't just all of a sudden pop up out of nowhere. Things lead up to failure. Uh, You don't typically sit down and and, uh, prepare and uh, plan uh, to fail in something. Most people, when they're going to do something, they plan to succeed, not fail at it. Heart failure doesn't normally just happen out of the blue. Uh, there's usually a lot of years of eating bad that does that too. you. Um, you know, I weigh almost, or I weigh 300 pounds, and my doctor tells me one day, if I don't uh, start eating better, that I won't be long for this earth. And so every time before I go to the doctor, I, I die, and I lose a bunch of weight, and uh, get his approval, and then as soon as my doctor's visit's over, I start eating again. <laughs> I know, it sounds funny, doesn't it? But you know, it doesn't just happen all at once. I didn't go from a size 32 to a 42 waist in one day. Uh, It took several years, and so the next thing you know, you're in the emergency room with heart failure, car failure. It usually starts with neglecting your automobile. Yeah, you're not going to keep it up don't change the wool don't, don't do anything you're supposed to do you know? don't ever look at your tires and see if they're about to blow out don't, don't worry about that squeal on the brakes just turn the radio up a little bit louder all that stuff doesn't just happen all at once it happens over time a marriage that fails it doesn't happen just all of a sudden all at once uh, it, it begins by neglecting your spouse it begins by uh, uh, cheating on your spouse. It begins by uh, dabbling in things you shouldn't be in. One minute you're limiting it up on your honeymoon, and, and you know the next thing you know, you're sitting alone in the house wondering what happened to your spouse. What happened to our marriage? What happened to everything that we once had? You didn't intend for that to happen, but over time, failure happened. Listen, friends. All these things are things we deal with on a daily basis. But there's one other failure that we find ourselves guilty of neglecting. And that is our spiritual failure. Spiritual failure doesn't happen overnight either. It's a process. It starts with you neglecting God's word. You mark my word. You see somebody that's that's in a bad spiritual condition. Somebody that's out of God's fellowship. They're backslidden. You know those backsliders? We used to talk about them all the time. People don't hear that word anymore. They don't know what it means. Backsliders got away from God. It didn't happen overnight. It was a process that they went through. They neglected God's word. They quit reading it. They quit abiding by it. They quit caring about it. And uh, then it goes to not for not assembling themselves together in the church, which the Bible tells us we're to do more as we see that day approaching. And so. Uh, one day you're lying in bed and you think, uh, I think I'll just stay home today. Are you sure? Yeah, let's just stay home today. Okay. Get up a little bit later. Let's go out and eat. Go out and eat. What's well, an awful lot of people here in the restaurant? There. This is what's going on while we're at church. Next week comes by. What do you want to do today? You want to go to church? Oh, let's just stay in bed. And before you know it, you're not in church anymore. Brother Jonathan's having to call you up and say, hey, we've been missing you. Like uh, to see you again, and you will get mad at him because he called you out. Because you're the one backslidden. It don't happen in one night. Friends, it's a process. You neglect his word, you neglect going to church, and you neglect praying. Prayer. We've become a godless generation by neglecting prayer. You know, and today prayer has become kind of a cliche. Uh, you can go on Facebook and somebody will have something going on and say pray for me and you'll get about a million people saying pray, pray, you know little hands up on the thing and there's nothing wrong with that if you're truly praying for them but I believe it's just become lip service I believe it's just become the thing to say oh pray for me, we'll pray for you and then go on that person's site and see all the ungodly wicked things that they're, they're saying and I'm thinking if this person's praying for me I'm in big trouble and so, we neglect our prayer. And, you know, uh, if you ever find yourself praying to God, something bad's going on in your life, and, and uh, you know, it seems that that's when most people decide they're going to pray. Something bad's happened, And so, they'll start praying. And they'll start asking other people to pray. Sometimes they'll even start going to church because this bad things happening. And so, they're all tore up about it. And they, wanna, they think, well, maybe that's the answer. Uh, I'll go to that church, you know. Uh, they, they knocked on my door. They sent me in a Bible tract. I heard this guy talking about it. I uh, heard him on the internet. Whatever it is, it's all on Facebook. Uh, I think I'll go to that church because I'm going through a hard time. And, you know, the Bible tells us we're to pray without ceasing. It doesn't say just wait until something bad's happened. We're to pray without ceasing. If you're a Christian today and you're not praying, then that is one of the reasons why we're seeing a godless generation today. If your kids have never heard you pray, there's a problem. If your grandkids don't know anything about prayer, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so listen, I, I know, I, maybe I'm stepping on toes today. I don't know. I told brother, brother Jonathan, I try not to run anybody off today. And so you help me with that. You better be here next Sunday. And so uh, when we ne- neglect to pray, it's the same thing as telling God, God, I don't. I don't need your help. I've got this all under control. But what happens when, when something happens to you? Oh Lord, uh-huh. I'm praying to you, Lord. Why wasn't you praying to him before something happened? Well, I'll tell you what. We think, a lot of people think that God's like a magic genie in the bottom. They, they, they pull him out when they need him and rub it and, and think they get three wishes. That's not how God operates. No. Listen friends, our present generation doesn't pray because they've never been taught to pray. The generation before them didn't think prayer was important enough to fool with. Uh, I'm not going to pray in front of, front of little Johnny over here. He'll think something's wrong. He'll think I'm weird or something like that. Well, that'll be strange. It won't be strange. You do it and you keep doing it. And little Johnny will say, hey, every time I go over to Granny's house, she's praying. I think I'll try praying. say, so come over here and pray with me. Uh, listen, it's because of are neglecting of God's Word. Our neglecting to tell the next generation. Our neglecting of our prayer life. Our neglection of going to the house of God. These things are leading to this godless generation that we're talking about today. I would love for this generation, uh, the, the, my generation, your generation, whatever generation you're in, because somebody can look at you and say, you know what, that person right there, I'd love to be like them. They, they are a godly person. You know, I'd like to hear people telling stories not about my papa, but about me. About my wife, about my son, about my daughters. I want to hear stories that they have heard that, that's happened to them. Not something way long time ago. You know, I want to hear things Brother Jonathan's done. i tell you what, I heard about Brother Jonathan. You know, he got down and prayed about something and this happened. I want to hear about Brother Harold. I want to hear about you. I want to hear it about everybody. You know, that person right there, they've got a hold of God. Over in James 4 and 2, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. I mean, is that a problem today? We think it's not important enough to God that we're not even going to ask Him to help us? Look, we are living in a jobless generation because we failed to obey God's commands. Look around you at, at, at what we are putting up with today. We have abortion We've got rioting, police, hatred, murder, idol worship, uh, same sex marriage, all these things. The list goes on and on and on. How long before God steps in and says, okay, enough? <laughs> enough. And people think, oh, that could never, ever happen to America. Oh. Are you serious? Yeah. If it could happen to God's own people, the children of Israel, if He'll allow them to go through such things, don't you think for a minute He'll allow us to? Do? Hey, we've had it good for a long time—over 200 something years. This country's had good, but there's going to be a day when we're going to turn so far from God. God's going to say, "Okay, if you don't want anything to do with me, I won't have anything to do with you." The church has lost its power today because the generations of people have neglected God's word. They've neglected assembling themselves together. They've neglected prayer. They've neglected telling the next generation. The only churches you see growing today are entertainment systems. they are centers where you can go and, and drink coffee and, and uh, have a good time, party, play games, uh, listen to rock music being played up on the, on the podium and stage, and you got a clown behind the pulpit and a bunch of spectators down in the pews watching. That's what's going on in these churches that are really getting big and growing. There's no real power in the church today. Churches have become as wicked as the, as the place that we're living in. The Bible says we to be the pillar and ground of the truth. And when we cease from being that, we see the generation that we have now that don't know God. We talk about revival all the time. We long to see God move in the ways that he used to do. I'd love it. I'd love to see revival come. But listen, we're not going to see revival as long as the church is hip-hopping, all slopping, Looking more like a rock and roll flesh show than it does the house of God. There's only one way we can reach this next generation and turn things around and become not godless but godly. How says this in Second Chronicles seven fourteen? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. And will heal their land. We need a healing today. This is how we get it. Where did we get that information from? God's word. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it out of Joe Osteen's book. I didn't get it out of some of these talk show hosts over Winfrey, or whoever it is they watch today. I got it out of God's word. Look, a generation becomes godless due to failure to pass on what God has said to Failure to study and live by God's word. Failure to assemble ourselves together with God's people. It's just failure all around. What we do is get sincere today. We need to, in our hearts, and not, not look around and say, well, you know, I wish somebody would do something. And that's, that's one of our problems today. We're waiting for somebody else to make a move. Somebody else to to cause a stir. Somebody else to change things around here. It starts with you. You've got to determine in your heart, in your mind, and say, God, I want to do what I need to do. Show me what I need to do to help this current generation so that we can see things turn around because somebody else is not going to do it. I can't wait on somebody else to get up and preach for me i got to get up and say, this is what God says. I may not be the best pastor, best preacher, best speaker in this world, but I want you to know all i got to do is get up and say, this is what God said. Amen. And if I don't say anything else except what's in this book right here, Amen. that's all that matters. You've got to start doing your part. Tell those kids. Tell those grandkids. Tell them. Show them. Live it. And we might see a change. Amen. Wouldn't you love to see it? Brother, if you want to come get a song, I'd like to ask everybody in here, if you can and will, if you'll please stand, I want to pray with you. I don't know your hearts, Uh, there's a young man here, last last time I came, that I've been praying for for the last 14 months, and... uh, I hope, uh, hope his life is, is doing okay. I've been praying for him. But I don't know what your need is. If you need to just come and talk to the Lord. Uh, if you need salvation. If, you, if you've been convicted that you're lost today. And you believe in the Lord Jesus. You believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. And you believe he's the only way that you can be saved today. If you believe in him. The Bible says, call on his name and thou shalt be saved. Call on the name of the Lord he'll save you let's pray together our heavenly father God we come to you this morning Lord we thank you so much for the message Lord nothing I've done I know God but what you've done what you said God if we'll take your words to our heart Lord apply them to our lives apply them to our families apply them to our church apply them to our community Lord our families everything God if we'll do what you say we know we'll see this generation turn from its wicked ways Lord, if we'll just get right with you. If there is one in this building this morning, Lord, God, that needs help, Lord, would you help them? Would you convict their heart, show them the need to get things right today, whether they're backslidden, Lord, whether they need to be saved, Lord, whatever their need is today, God, would you take care of their need? And we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Go ahead, brother. If you need help, if you need prayer, you come down.